Um, you know, what, what makes, I guess, me different is, um, you know, I really do focus on creating value in the world uh, above and beyond for all stakeholders, not, not just the shareholders of a company. Um, you know, the, the stakeholders include um, our clients, um, my employees, um, employee, the families of the employees, um, uh, my investors, the community at large. And we really, we really focus on that with the goal, of course, of, of driving a bottom line and a profit. Welcome to the No Excuse Pro Podcast, your weekly dose of motivation and actionable advice. If you're a realtor, financial planner, business owner, or anyone who's tired of making excuses and ready to take your success to the next level, you've come to the right place. Join your host, Kevin Briarton, each week as he chats with industry leaders who are going beyond the excuses to achieve their goals. So no excuses accepted. Let's get started. Appreciate you jumping on, Doug. Uh, man, um, known you for a while, and I know you do a great job. And, and I just want to bring you on. And the reason why I've started these interviews is because um, I believe that people have aspirations and dreams and goals, and they can have a huge impact in the world, but they have all these excuses that stop them from doing it. And I want to talk through those excuses and how you broke through them over the years to make a big impact and you're still making an impact. Um, so tell me a little bit about what you do and also like what makes you different in, in breaking through success and having success over and over and over again. Sure. Well, thanks, Kevin. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, this is, uh, I've started multiple software companies now and this venture um, really is the distillation of my past career. Um, and uh, really with a, a burning desire to to increase my purpose in this world, uh, leave this world a better place than I found it. And as such, uh, my team builds a, um, we have a SaaS platform that uh, is attempting to, uh, you know, uh, move the needle in a really difficult American problem, and that is uh, housing. Um, affordable housing, homelessness, and uh, managing housing on Indian reservations. That's effectively what our software does. Um, it's very it's very difficult to main. It does not lend itself to software, um, but the purpose component and the satisfaction component is is huge. Um, you know what what makes I guess me different is um, you know I really do focus on creating value in the world of, above and beyond for all stakeholders, not not just the shareholders of a company. Um, you know the the stakeholders include. Um, our clients, um, my employees, um, employee, the families of the employees, um, uh, my investors, the community at large. And we really we really focus on that with the goal, of course, of, of driving a bottom line and a profit. And I think that is truly unique um, in this world um, today. Um, and, and, and we're on the verge of, of pulling that off. Um, so, uh, got a great team and, um, we hire for that. We manage for that. We try to incent for that. And that's, you know, I think truly unique, at least from the other CEOs and, and founders that I found. Now you mentioned purpose and, you know, making a difference. Uh, how does somebody get to, get to that point? Right. Because well, a lot of times <laughs> we're just trying to make yeah. a dollar or just pay the bills. Yeah, how do you yeah. figure that out? Well, to be honest with you, for me, it was by accident. Um, this just <laughs> this just started. This just started helping a childhood friend. Uh, my past career was in telecom, and and not that 
you know, telecom didn't have a purpose. There's some great technology behind it. But at the end of the day, you're 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 making money for a corporation. Um, this started out helping a friend who had a decaying software company um, that managed housing on Indian reservations. And to get my arms around the requirements of that software, I went out and visited 100 Indian reservations, over 100 Indian reservations from Alaska to the southern border. I mean, it changed my life. And um and it's a really difficult technical domain, so it scratched the engineering itch. But I also saw how uh, tribes were really limited for a variety of, of social and just technical sophistication regions, reasons to, to successfully manage their house, their limited housing inventory. And, you know, me and my team just thought, well, shoot, if we can make this easier for them, if we can simplify this for them, They'll be much better at getting the right people and the right units at the right price. Um, and we've done that. Um, and it's made a big impact on, on Native America. And so that that kind of lit my purpose fire and got me going on this. But but truly, Kevin, for me, it wasn't it wasn't strategic. I'd sold my past software company and I was kind of thinking, well, what do I do next? And I and, and this this showed up from <laughs> From, uh, sometimes that's the best thing. I mean, if it uh, if you sit here and search and search and search, and sometimes yeah. you just got to let it let it do live your life, do your thing. And I think the big thing here is, is taking action, right? Like yeah. you took action, then you saw a need, then you went to say, okay, can I help with that need? And then you found, oh man, this is really like my passion here. And I think a lot of times we have to follow. We can't just be so uh, in a uh, rut or a, let's say just I got to make money to do a job I can't leave and do something different because it's a risk or right. you know what's going to happen with it and that you know we have to allow ourselves to take those risks and have those failures um, and we hear about failing fast and you know but I truly believe that there's some magic in the failure of it as well so talk a little bit about a time when Maybe you perceived something as a failure, but really was it was maybe a blessing uh, in disguise. Oh gosh, I, I I don't know where to start there. <laughs> um, you know, um, I, I guess the big core failure in this company is, um, you know, trying to simplify things that shouldn't have been simplified. Um, trying to automate things that really sh can't be automated um, in this world of managing poor people. Now the the that was that was a huge technical mistake. It, it it cost us you know millions of dollars and a lot of engineering cycles, but from that it really helped us distill the problem and at at the end of the day create a much better you know product. And what it really taught us is that um, you gotta you gotta deal with the world as you find it, not as how you want it to be. You know, and, and complaining is, isn't a strategy. You know, you, you've, you've got to look at hard reality and say, we made a big mistake. We built this product that we thought, you know, we, you know, we, took the, we thought we took the appropriate shortcuts and made the right decision to architect it. And we decided, man, everything down to the whole technical stack has to be redone. Wow. And we swallowed that pill, but now we're in a position where we're the only game in town. We're the only people with a modern application in this space. And if we would have kept on the path that really all, all you know, the other software vendors were, we wouldn't be here right now. But it was that really big failure that we had to admit to ourselves, we were wrong. 
we were just flat out wrong. We can't get from point A to point B with this stack. Um, so we tore it apart and started over. And that's just one of many. I could get into personnel issues. I could get into financing issues. I could, <laughs> I could get into bootstrapping issues. <laughs> Me too. Well, you mentioned we have to um, you know, work with the world as we find it, not how we, how we want it. Tell me a little bit more about that. Well, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, I mean, it, it's everything about being a founder. Um, you know, I, I, uh, you, you know, the chaos theory is real. I mean, entropy is real. You, you, there is so much unpredictable things in the future that, uh, you've got to deal with reality. And if you ignore reality, it will catch up with you. And so um, to, to deal with that, we try to make the best decisions possible and create an environment for that so that we have guardrails around those decisions and so that we're making, you know, you know, good ultimate, you know, choices. But at the end of the day, those choices have to be firmly rooted in, you know, foundational principles and values. And those values have to be written down, communicated to people, kind of like the commander's intent in military terms. Everybody has to know where we're going. And then they make, they then make accurate decisions as well, knowing what that intent is, so that I don't have to be involved in all the decisions. You know, my leaders have, you know, a lot of autonomy um, to, to succeed and fail. Um, but it really is, you know, um, with the commander's intent, dealing with reality as the world sees it, you can stick handle through all the changes that occur throughout the course of business. Um, and, and, you know, to be honest with you, when you take a body blow like COVID, I don't know if we would have made it if it was just me at the helm and we didn't have those values articulated and, 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 and spoken, you know, to the team, because a lot of people were making a lot of big decisions. Um, and I mean, we're here, we're here, we're in a better place than we've ever been, but a lot of companies aren't, I mean, COVID changed everything, but our principles and values and our clients who we were serving, that didn't change. Um, so that's kind of, you know, we can complain about COVID and I can complain about deaths in our family and I can complain about, you know, engineers who failed working remotely, but that's, that's reality. You deal with it and you move on. Complaining yeah. gets you nowhere. It doesn't even make you feeling good after, after a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to surround yourself with good people and that's why, you know, I wanted to have you on here and you know, just talk a little bit. And there's definitely, this has been some good information already. I know we uh, don't have too much time together this morning, but I really value it. And um, I want to ask you like, what it like, you, so right now your software serves the Native American lands around the United States and it's around housing and optimizing from what I understand the, the financial piece of it. Yep. Um, so tell me just a tip, a little bit of that, which you've already gone over. And then what's, what do you see as the next like growth factor for the business? Like, what are you going to trying to get into? What's your biggest, your goal over the next year or two? Yeah. So um, yeah, just from a software perspective, it, it's, a, it, it's, it's basically the CRM 
or it's the operating system for affordable housing. And affordable housing is super messy because it's not like an apartment building. You've got all these rules and regulations layered on about how to subsidize people's housing based on you know their income, their assets, their family composition. Everybody has a different rent. Everybody has different terms associated with those leases. So it's not it's not blocking and tackling property management. It's it's super complex. So we've built this highly configurable platform that really can manage any anything with people and properties. So as we take it forward, um, there's a there's a there's a massive problem in homelessness, um, and they have no clarity to the problem. So they don't know if this person's been homeless for five days or five years. They don't know if they have a family. They don't know if they have skills. They don't know if they're, you know, have a record. They don't know if they have health issues, et cetera. Well, our goal is to take what we've done really for Native America, inject that into the homeless uh, problem and bring clarity to that so that they can stop the rapid growth of homelessness and then provide the services to those people so they can break out of that cycle of homelessness. Um, right now, there's there's really no incentive that's working to get people out of homelessness and provide success for the agencies because nobody knows what's going on. And they're just throwing money at it. And it's, to be honest with you, it's farming homelessness um, because all the incentives are to make homelessness more comfortable and create wealth for the organizations because they don't know what's going on. It's not intentional. These aren't bad people. So they're just throwing money at it? Yeah. Yeah, because they think it's a money problem. They think it's a resource problem. And, and I'm, not, I'm not arguing that it isn't. What I'm saying is you don't know. You don't know if you have lack of, you know, just physical shelter or lack of resources because you don't know why these people are homeless. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so once you carve that out, once you take the severely mentally ill and, and handle them, once you deal with this, you know, get the bad actors out of the system that use homelessness as a source of economic gain, strip that out into your true homeless population, then create facilities for them so that they can heal and get better and then come out. You know, yeah. homelessness shouldn't be a lifetime thing, but they don't have the tools to, to deal with that. They're trying to do it on spreadsheets and QuickBooks and, and it just doesn't, it just doesn't work. The problem's too complex for that. Well, we think with the work we've done in native America and now the work that we're doing in public housing, um, America at, at large, um, we can make a huge difference in a metropolitan area once they agree with that premise. Right now, they're still at the premise of we just need more money, we just need more doors. Um, that's part of the solution. But I think the you know first principle solution is know what you're dealing with. And that's where we really want to take this. And then we could leverage our platform into um, rehab centers, nursing homes, um, you know, any any elder care facility that, I mean, that, again, provides non-traditional apartment-based rent, housing, you know, et cetera, for, for safe shelter. That's awesome, man. Well, I appreciate, uh, that's a great service you're providing. And I think the challenge, you know, a lot of times with government agencies is, they have a budget and it's like, well, I'm going to spend every last dollar of that budget. Well, when a business, the business is trying to leave a profit. So it's almost like two conflicting problems. It is. It and is. If you can expose the, the issue is not just spending the money, but you really want to help people get, you're connecting the dots between, you know, 
exposing the problems. Maybe some people uh, don't want that problem to be exposed um, because then they'll, <laughs> <laughs> but, but who knows, you know, so you're doing a great job and I, I think it's an awesome service. I want to like, you've had a formula, I believe in a pattern of success over the, your, your life. Take a few minutes and talk about, you know, if there's, do you think there's a pattern or formula to becoming successful and having no excuses around success? There's, there's probably a thousand formulas. Um, and I think, um, you know, really, you know, a core, you know, core to it is uh, just working on yourself, having a growth mindset, being a sponge for information. Now with that, yeah, as you said, to start this call, I mean, you've got to take action. You know, you've got to get in the game. You've got to play the game before you're ready to play so that you learn. And through continual learning, um, short iteration loops so you can readjust and really, you know, just handling failure as it should be um, as a learning lesson, um, you're going to be successful. Um, no, you know, you need to put a lot of thought into where you're going. You know, and then you can make the proper decisions. But if you don't know what you want, you know, you're, you're just going to you're going to spin in stuff that does not provide satisfaction. Um, now, it, it may on this, appear on the surface that I've had all this success. But, man, I, you know, 10 years ago, I'm a different guy. And this is after selling a software company, after going through a divorce, I didn't feel like much of a success, but that background allowed me to push through and, and now start another company that, you know, looks like it has some nice success in its future. But um, I don't know if that's an algorithm or a formula. It's more, I guess, a sense of core guiding principles that I that I keep refining uh, and building and trying to, you know, find my weak spots and surrounding myself with great mentors that, you know, have been there and and it can help guide me. Um, you mentioned that, you know, kind of a test case fail scenario. You mentioned something about like, if, if you can figure out how to, you know, do it before doing it. Um, how would you recommend somebody, let's say early on in their career, kind of being able to do that? Like, does that look like starting their own side business? Does that look like working for somebody and learning through their mentorship or maybe even donating their time to something um, working for free because you know a lot of times it's not always just about money too it's learning yep. how do you recommend somebody to be in that space like you mentioned that but I'm just kind of thinking about the application of it yeah all the above actually and, and again it's so individual um, for me you know I knew I came from I come from a really humble background and I, I I was just in survival mode and I need I needed I knew to make a living so I went to work for the largest corporation in the world I went to work for AT&T and, and Bell Laboratories and just to get, just to learn how to work and, and, yeah. to, and to create a salary. And in that process, I wouldn't say I started a side gig, but I used AT&T to, to effectively get my MBA. So I saw all the areas of a large company. So I basically just sat back and said, okay, the environment I'm in, do I want this to be the rest of my life? No. 
okay, as such, what do I want it to be? I don't know. So just expose myself to as much of the world as I can. And then along the way, you know, again, the world changes. In this instance, the Bell system broke up. Nobody wanted Bell Labs. It was a terrible place to work. Um, but I had been exposed to all of these large pieces of software that were too small for AT&T, but they're, they're huge for a small business. So I just said, well, let's go build some of these and see if we can see if I can make it work. And, and that's how that happened. So that was my, that was my career path there. But for somebody has, you know, who looks up and says, Hey, I don't want to do this the rest of my life. I would just say, look around, you know, keep your cash flow, assuming you need it. Um, and, um, you know, do a great job there while you're, yeah, doing kind of a side gig, even if it's a mental side gig, um, and, and talk to people that have succeeded and failed in that space, see if you like it. And then, um, and then eventually, you know, go, um, put skin in the game and go. Um, so yeah, that's great, man. You gotta, gotta get after it and then take action and then adjust course. That's, yeah. uh. Otherwise, you never get anywhere. You gotta, you gotta go. And one of the things I found is burning the boat. So once you do make yep. that decision, don't go back to what was safe. You know, because you know yep. going backwards doesn't necessarily help you. You might think it does, or oh, you know, I should have stayed at that comfortable, good job. And you know, but there's a reason why you left, and there's a reason why you're growing yep. something. And you, you know, I, I put the picture of burning the boats on my phone you know <laughs> go through some stuff and i like had to remind myself literally for six months going through some challenging times i'm not turning around I'm not turning back not yeah. turning back not turning back and it was a, a good reminder so once you do the make that decision uh burning the boats uh you know when the um uh spanish landed in mexico is just a good analogy for me right or wrong whether that that was a good situation for uh, what happened there but um no, hey yeah. You know, I wanted to ask you, so I know we're running up on time for you and I want to be sensitive to that, but tell me a time when a customer would, would have considered, I want to know, this is a, a question where I want the customer to be the hero. Okay. When was a time when the, the customer was a hero in your eyes and in your, in a, a work situation or life situation, when was a customer, a hero and why were they the hero in the story? I guess um, hmm, that's a that's a <laughs> that's a good question. Um, I I would have to go with uh, I would have to go with my my current venture. Um, you know, there have been there have been a few instances uh, I could isolate a specific you know Native American tribe. Um, they they work in a really you know distressful environment. And they're in an environment where, you know, you know, uh, HUD, uh, the federal government provides them a bunch of subsidies. And um, a lot of times the tribes are forced to choose between, you know, some cultural and community pressures of with distressed families and following HUD regulations. And when you it, it it's when you when they're put in that situation of people either breaking the law, people using their housing for for things they shouldn't be, um, where where I've seen customers really be a hero is try to save that person from jail or death 
and also balance their obligations to HUD laws. And it and it's tricky and it's difficult and um, way beyond my pay grade. But I've seen our clients use our systems to take um, you know, stressful housing situations. It might be a it might be a a, a mother who's experienced domestic violence. Um, dad left the house, got thrown out of the house, died, ended up in jail, whatever. They were removed from the situation. She's financially destitute. She's got two kids to feel to feed, and she's got very little skills. And I've seen the housing department take that person as a specific case, ensure their success, put them on payment plans, don't evict them, keep them in housing, and 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 I've seen them come through the back end of that. Wow. Um, well, at the same time, you know, you've got a federal agency that comes in and audits you and says, you know, you can't do this based on section eight, paragraph four of this housing code, you know, you broke the rules. And so in, in those instances, I see that, you know, they're, they're my hero. Um, they're, they're social workers and CPAs and project managers. And it's kind of fun to see. And I just love working with people like that, that can get creative to keep the end goal in mind of, of providing safe and affordable shelter which I think is lost in a lot of urban America with the HUD agencies and public housing authorities. Um, so I think if some of that, if some of that could filter into urban America, we it'd be a better place. That's awesome. Well, you're doing a great job. Last question. What do you want on your resume in the next two years? Um, that's a pretty short time frame. Um I would like to take this and what I'm doing is bigger than me, Kevin. Um, I've got a, I, I've got a, let's call it a 40 to 50 person company. I'm going to take this to the level where the technology proves the business case. And then in the next two years, I'd like to partner with uh, an entity that has much more resources than me that can really make a significant impact in us affordable housing. I would like that to be on my resume, um, along with the just amazing team. I've got a highly functional software team that I've never seen before. And I mean, that that's a, that would be showcased on my resume um, as long as, uh, as well as, uh, you know, bragging about my wife and my current family situation and, and how I've turned that around um, is a real highlight on my personal resume. That's awesome, man. And that's where it's got to start. I just ran over here, dropped my daughter off from school before a uh, little talk. <laughs> and tell me, uh, let's, how do you say your, the name of your company? It's Conzo, Conzo Software. That's awesome. Yep. Well, Conzo Software is doing some great things and uh, I'm uh, excited to continue to hear more of it. I know you have a meeting, so I'll be sensitive to that time. So really appreciate you jumping on. It means a lot to me. There were some really big nuggets. I'm going to be going back over this and then uh, we'll be, you know, getting this out. I want to say thank you though. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, any last words or anything else you want to share? Yeah, just thank you, Kevin. I, I appreciate all you do and your kindness. And uh, it's an honor to, to spend time with you. Sounds good, man. Well, we'll see you soon. Hopefully get right. down here to Arizona. Maybe get the, the the warmer weather soon. All right. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, Take care. Bye. Merry Christmas. Bye.
And there you have it, folks. Another enlightening episode of the No Excuse Pro podcast is in the books. A heartfelt thank you to today's guests for sharing their wisdom and to you, our valued listeners, for spending your time with us. If you're ready to ditch the excuses and level up, make sure to subscribe and find all our episodes at noexcusepropodcast.com. Don't forget, the only thing standing between you and your goals is the story you tell yourself. So no excuses accepted here. Take action and 